all kinds of junk on this week's edition of Table Talk Radio. Stay tuned. A radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. You know, but if the busboy at that restaurant and you're there simply to clear tables and you notice that there's people that aren't coming in, it's not your job to start changing aspects of the restaurant because it's not your restaurant. So the question is, is whose church is it? I mean, if it's right. if it's our church, then we better get busy and start doing all these things because it's up to us to, quote, grow the church. But if it's right. the Lord's church, he's the one who gets to call the shots. Did you hear what it says? The church is not a monster with two heads. There's only one head, Jesus and Peter. <laughs> wait a minute. Like, wait a minute. That's the- Hold on. I can count. <laughs> Jesus, one. <laughs> Peter, two. Because there's nothing else to listen to, this is Table Talk Radio. And it hey, is- there might be other things to listen to. Don't send the people into utter despair. Like? Um, I'm sure that nobody's listened to all 17 hours of tape of fighting for the faith that Chris Roseboro recorded today. If they're listening to us right now, I'm pretty sure that they have. <laughs> I don't know how the guy does like more radio shows than there are hours in a day. <laughs> it is have amazing. You, have we figured that out yet? <laughs> no, we're still trying to figure it out. And then be a pastor on top of it. <laughs> It is. It is. Uh, I mean, it is. We have gotten this down to an art as we can record a one hour radio show in no less than 34 minutes. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we talk. We talk extra fast when we we should try this. Why don't we try this today? We talk extra fast when we're recording and then slow it down for the podcast. Why would we want our listeners to endure longer episodes of Table Talk Radio than necessary? You mean to say, why would we want our listeners to do endure longer episodes than necessary? That's <laughs> you, how you should have you, said it. I think you need to try that again. <laughs> try it again, but raise the pitch of your voice to sound like chipmunks. Go ahead. Why would we want our listeners to endure longer than they have to when they're listening to Table Talk Radio? <laughs> okay, now this is what it sounds like slowed down. Why would we want our listeners to endure longer than they have to when they're listening to Table Talk Radio? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that could be a thing. I think we we're yeah, on cutting I think edge. It's an of, awesome uh, idea. Oh yeah. If we could if we could talk so fast that we could get the recording down to fifteen minutes. One hour show recorded in fifteen minutes. That is my new goal in life. I used to have three life goals, four life goals. Yes. I used to have four life goals. Now I have five. You know what? Did I ever tell you my four life goals? Kurt Cameron's Facebook account was one of them. No, no, that was no, that was unattainable. Is have a, a a vein in my bicep, have a six pack to be able to do a muscle up, and to have an article published in the Lutheran Witness. Those are my four life goals. Have you ever had the latter? Anyway, but now I have a fifth. Uh, huh? What? Have you ever had an article published? No. no, no. So none That's of your life goals are completed. Goal. I mean, you you are like one no. massive failure at life right now. <laughs> I got a lot of life left in me. Anyway. Anyway. All right. Well, we're uh, just plowing through some emails today. Is there really any rhyme or rhythm to what we're doing in today's episode of Table Talk no, Radio? But we, th- yes, because the first thing we always do, and I'm looking forward to this part oh, of the show today. Oh, yeah. The first thing we always do is buzzwords. I have today a buzz city for you. A buzz city? And that city? city is, yeah, a buzz city. And the city is 
Holla. Oh, I should have saw that coming. Uh, holla. So just, just holla. for the Early sake of history, so the, the listener knows I'm... what we're doing now before we start Table Talk Radio, we have about a half hour pregame to get all of Pastor Wolfmuller's annoying references out of the system before we hit oh, record. Oh. But unfortunately, Speaking some of those of that, have lingered. <laughs> that reminded me. That reminds me. <laughs> oh. I just spent a week walking around Washington, D.C. with uh, 88th graders, which was great because they are uh, – it was like the the humor and maturity level was perfect for me. <laughs> so we were on the I believe. we were on the bus telling jokes, and these these, these uh, kids behind me in the bus were hilarious, and they know how to tell a joke because so for example here's how it started. You ready? I will tell you a joke. What did the what did the ocean say to the beach? Uh, what? Nothing. It just waved. <laughs> But you yeah. see, now watch what happens. So that's kind of funny the first time, but now watch this. Hey, well, oh, I got a joke. What did the ocean say to the coast? <laughs> and then the girls, nothing. It just waved. Uh. <laughs> and then this. What did the ocean say to the dolphin? Nothing. It just waved. Oh, I got one. What did the ocean say to the starfish? <laughs> nothing. It just waved. And now what happens is that it starts as sort of funny. And then, as you start to as you start to change the joke and stick with the same punchline, it gets a little bit less funny until it reaches right on the cusp of annoying. But then something happens; <laughs> it turns around and goes from annoying to funny. And in fact, every time you tell the joke with the same punchline, it gets funnier and funnier and funnier. Watch, I'll just Co- test no, no, this coincidentally, all, all of our listeners are waiting for that turn any moment now. <laughs> Right, that's right. Just stick with it. <laughs> well, um, I could I could see hanging out with some eighth graders might be sort of on your level. You know what my favorite joke was of uh, this whole thing? Hmm. Knock knock. Who's there? <laughs> Interrupting cow with bad timing. I'm not playing this game anymore. <laughs> okay, okay, I got another one. Knock knock. Who's there? Nobody. Nobody who. <laughs> okay, lest we waste all of our time with... Uh, so the city, the, today's buzzword is Halle, which is a city in Germany. Halle's early history from the Bronze Age was connected with the harvesting of salt. Did you know that? Probably not. Market Church of Our Lady, which was built to defend against the spread of the Reformation, was the very spot where Justus Jonas officially introduced the Reformation into Halle with his Good Friday sermon in 1541. As it's known, Martin Luther traces the central German uh, uh, city of Eisenach, where the Reformer was born and died. Wittenberg is the main place of work. However, with regards to the consequences of his action for church politics, one might say that Halle was the cradle of the Reformation. That's your buzz phrase, the buzz place. Hala. And that won't get annoying either, I betcha. <laughs> What's your buzzword? Um, I'm pulling this up just at the last second here from... How much time do I have to stall? I know. Want I, some more I was so Hala? enraptured by all your jokes, I forgot about doing a buzzword. <laughs> mm. What did the ocean say to the saltwater estuary? No, that's okay. I got one. Um, okay, so anthropomorphism is your theological buzzword. I don't believe in that. Wait, wait okay. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll define it. You, you make your case against anthropomorphism. This is the idea 
that the scriptures employ certain figures of speech to describe um, uh, physical human fair, physical characteristics that would be attributed to God. So God doesn't actually have a face, but he says that he turns his face towards uh, certain people or that uh, that his right arm uh, is there or, or something like this. And so these are all figurative expressions to describe attributes of God or characteristics of God, but they're not actually describing the body or personhood of God himself. Now, Mr. Uh, Mormon, why don't you explain why you disagree with that? Uh, well, so it is true that the Father and the Spirit are spirit, and they don't have a body. So the incarnation belongs only to the Son. So we, uh, we speak of the right hand of the Father and so forth and so on. That's fine for that's, what it that's is. That's all the I said. Is the, why anthro- can you- <laughs> the, the anthropomorphism argument is used to talk about the condescension of God. And here's where this idea becomes dangerous. The Calvinists, our friends at Cal- we got a Calvinist email here? Yeah, we do. Our friends at Calvinists love to talk about this because the idea is that, you know, they say, well, God can't suffer. God can't. They'll say that the things in which the Bible speaks of God are are anthropomorphisms and they're condescending to our way of understanding but really they are not truths and that idea to talk about the anthropomorphism in the terms of condescension is dangerous because what you see what you're doing is you're saying well i know better about god than what the bible says about god so with uh, this and, and so does this clean it up to say this that the to to refer to anthropomorphisms can't possibly refer to the incarnate lord does that clean it up, or is there still an issue to, to deal with there? No, there's still an issue, because this idea of condescension is the idea that I've got this super spiritual understanding of God, and when the Bible uses language, it's using this kind of, oh. uh, it's it's like, oh, in the Old Testament, they were just a kind of bunch of thugs, you know, like they were just all sitting around watching Third Rock or whatever, drinking Schlitz beer, and they couldn't understand the subtleties of the divine revelation. And so God used these kind of simple terms to describe himself, but we know better, you see. And so it comes from, it comes from that sort of spirit of knowing better about God than the Scripture wants to tell us. And I want to I stand against that, okay. well, uh, that idea. So to say that the Lord, the, the, the Lord uses human words to describe himself, that's fine for whatever it is. But what we don't want to do is then go to that and say, but we can't trust that these things are true because we know better about God who's spirit, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. See, see the difference? I was going to work against a different foil, and that was the, I think the Mormons that say uh, God the Father has a physical being, and they would go to all those passages where it talks about the face of God or the right hand of God and all these things to say that uh, these are you know, descriptions of a physical body of God the Father. And to that, I would take us to Psalm 91, verse 4, where it says, He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge, which obviously is pointing out that God is a chicken. That's obviously what that is talking about. Uh, or it can that's be a, That's not an anthropomorphism. That's a chicopomorphism. <laughs> right. I like it. So anyway, um, the scriptures employ this language to describe these characteristics of God, which I think are not teaching us about his physical form, but about his uh, his attributes, his oh, character. This reminds like me this. about something. And I got to do this bump music. <laughs> we will. That tells you there oh. some relief from Table Talk Radio for just a moment. But what then did after the bump that, music say? What did the ocean say to the bump music? Nothing. It just waved. See, I think we're still at the annoying part. We'll be right back.
Table Talk Radio. Well, we think we're funny. Hey, daily devotions for your family. Around the Word is found at whatdoesthismean.org. Answering your emails at tabletalk, uh, what's the address? Questions at tabletalkradio.org. I thought it was, did we never get a, oh, we got a complaint letter from another, our official Calvinist blogger wrote us somewhere. And uh, he was saying that he still is trying to send a- emails to answers at Table Talk Radio and they're not getting through. They're bouncing back. That. <laughs> That's true. Calvinists don't have questions. Is that how that goes? Is that, that why that's funny? Yeah. What did the Calvinists say to the Lutheran? What? Nothing. He just waved. Yeah, still not funny. Wait, wait, wait. I might work it out. Don't in worry. Just keep, Don't worry. Just keep, 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 keep doing You got to stick with it, man. <laughs> Don't give up. We got keep an, going. We got an email here from a new listener. Are you ready for this? Ready. Hello, I'm listening to your radio show, and I was wondering, let's play a game like this. Let's play Guess Who Changed the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath Day. Let's see who can guess which commandment was removed and which one was split in two to keep the number ten. We're also like to know your thoughts uh, buying this uh, as it was not inspired by God or the Holy Spirit. Thanks a lot, new listener, also known as obnoxious Sabbatarian. Wait a minute. Is this being snarky? Wait a minute. I think it might be. I, I think I I'm think picking it might up be. some snark. Let's check the snarko level. <laughs> oh, okay. So who? guess who changed the commandments? Is that what we're playing? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to go with, um, let's see, how, how do we determine the original? I mean, I guess we have to go back to see how the Jews number their commandments, huh? Well, yeah, if you want to, I guess. Because I believe the Jewish if numbering of to. the commandment, the commandment number one is, uh, what is it? The, uh, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Commandment number one. Boom. And so it would here's have the, to be. Here's the weird thing. This kind of email normally comes to uh, comes to us uh, as from the second commandment, uh, the, the the commandment about not worshiping graven images. Right. And the accusation from the radical reformers was that the Lutherans stuck with the Catholic numbering of hiding the second commandment. Uh, you shall not make any graven images. Remember that part of the first commandment. And they said they hid that in there so that they could have their idolatrous. Um, whatever's uh pictures of jesus and crucifixes and stuff but this is talking about the sabbath day which we have as the third commandment what does it matter if you have you shall remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy as the third commandment or the fourth commandment you still have it as a commandment so it has it has nothing to do with the numbering of the thing so the the whether that commandment is the third commandment or the fourth commandment neither one is really inspired is it and the numbering thereof uh the numbering of the commandments is not inspired here. Now, this is a complicated and very boring. I would <laughs> I would commend to the uh, to the listener uh, if you do a little grappling with the text search because this is actually easier to see than to hear. And when I was doing my uh, Bible study series on YouTube on the grappling with the text, uh, and I did one on the on the numbering of the Ten Commandments because there's four basic numbering systems. And here's the here's the point: if you just had the text of Exodus 20 or Exodus or, or Deuteronomy. Um, five, you would probably come up with 11 commandments or 12 or maybe nine 
it's it's kind of hard to get 10. It's Exodus 32 where the Lord talks about the Ten Commandments. So we know we have to somehow get divide this into 10. But how to do it is not quite obvious. And there's four basic ways to do it. There's the Jewish way of doing it. There's the Eastern Orthodox slash Calvinist slash Baptist charismatic way of doing it. There's the uh, Catholic way of doing it and the Lutheran way of doing it. And the Catholic and Lutheran are very similar. We just reversed the last two. They follow the Deuteronomy order. We follow the Exodus number order. Uh, but the point is, it doesn't matter the numbering. It's not given to us in the scripture. The point is, you've got to have all the stuff there. You can't take anything out of it. So I don't know. This, this email is uh, like we've renumbered the commandments in order to obscure something. But if you, uh, dear, dear emailer, if you're going to do that, you should have argued that we're idolaters. The odd thing about that is <laughs> if there's anyone, if there's any kind of group that uh, that would be close to worshiping images in the church, it would probably be the Eastern Orthodox. And they have the same exact numbering as the radical reformers do. Ooh. So the numbering apparently doesn't matter. But hmm. anyway. Uh, what about this uh, Sabbath day business? Um, is, is, so is, is, the, is the mystery emailer um, trying to say that we're, we've changed the Sabbath day or just the numbering of them? So, so this, is, this is what it says. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's guess who changed the Ten Commandments and the Sabbath day. So I think they're making an assertion that we've changed not only the numbering, but also the Sabbath day. Um, so yeah, yeah, because we worship on Sunday rather than Saturday. We, yeah, we worship on Sunday rather than Saturday. This is Luther makes this nice point, which is that most of the Ten Commandments is what we call the moral law, which is a true thing. It's moral law. But the um, the Sabbath day, the third commandment or the seventh commandment however this guy wants to number him uh is is part of the ceremonial law in other words that we set apart a day for worship as part of the old testament which is fulfilled in christ and so from the very very get-go the church is worshiped on sunday the day of the resurrection i mean almost inst it's amazing how almost instantaneous that change was to to worship on um uh, to worship on on sunday rather than on saturday because it's the day of the resurrection but we almost, in some ways, we almost have to not worship on Saturday because we recognize that um, that Saint Paul and Peter and um, and all the New Testament is arguing against the the necessity of keeping the ceremonial law, that is, the sacrifices, the the kosher laws, uh, the priesthood of the Old Testament, and all this sort of thing. And the Sabbath day went along with that. So, so there you go. Okay, so I want to play this game. Um, ask me the question. Uh, Guess who changed the Sabbath day? Okay. Guess who changed the Sabbath day? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's right. When he rose from the dead, he changed the Sabbath day. And You're uh, right. I was that's a true thing. I was trying to pull this up, but you didn't stall long enough for me. I was expecting a few more knock-knock jokes or something like that. But also the I got one. Oh, okay. Go ahead. <laughs> Knock knock. Uh, who's there? Uh, Yodele. No. Wait, wait, wait. That Let one. Me try that again. No. Yodele no. he. I, I know. I know. I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna bite. What? What? What, what do you mean? Anyway, uh, my search program is is going to slip. But but the Book of Acts actually talks about how they gathered together on the Lord's Day, uh, which was the the day of the resurrection, the first day of the week. Um, yeah. Uh, so. 
uh, even even the very first Christians were worshiping um, uh, on on Sunday, this the first day of the week. Um, also, uh, there are references. I, I don't know necessarily what everybody thinks about this, but I, the, oftentimes the thing that I've heard from those insisting upon Saturday worship is that you know Constantine, you know evil Constantine, who's you know corrupted. The, the world with his conspiracies. <laughs> uh, he, he, he yeah, what good could come from Milan? <laughs> if you're going to um, issue an edict, you don't go to Milan to do it. The edict of Milan. I mean, it was... It, Constantine didn't live until, you know, early 300s. And so you'd think, boy, it was really Constantine that changed the day of worship, like had this mandate. All right, everybody, we're going to trick the world and start worshiping on a different day. Um, then you would think you'd, have, you'd be hard pressed to find anyone uh, talking about Sunday morning worship. Um, however, it's not that hard to find. Just do a quick search of of the church fathers, and you'll find many of them not only mentioning Sunday worship but arguing for the purpose of Sunday worship. Why? To show that we're not bound by the Old Testament law, that we're free in Christ, that Christ is our Sabbath. Um, I mean, this you have what Colossians what two is it sixteen and seventeen. Do not let anyone judge you concerning the new moon festivals or the Sabbath day, for these things point forward to Christ, the, the substance which is Christ. So if we have Christ, we have the Sabbath. We don't need a day. I agree with that. Did I win the game? Um, what game was it? Uh, guess who changed the Sabbath day? Come on. Oh, yeah, you win. You win. <laughs> uh, two... Hundred points, and also that's oh yeah, because that's what the emailer wanted us to do to play a game. I appreciate that. He's, he's getting into the spirit of things. I'm liking the game. I get lots of points off Ha-la. of it. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's <laughs> move on to another email. You got one there, Pastor? Uh, yes. Confusing the hosts and the guests. This email comes from Chris. Dear purveyors of the finest mediocrity. I like that. <laughs> I do so appreciate your TTR podcast. I've listened to them with Lumpy's ears. I'm a Presbyterian pastor who subscribes to the Westminster Confession. Man, I, uh, just keep listening. Don't give up. I will say that one of the most helpful things that I've been saturated with since listening has been the clear distinction between law and the gospel. Also, he probably has been saturated with what we call the gospel as opposed to the <laughs> limited atonement. But anyway. I digress. Boy, talking about that limited snark. atonement stuff, man. You uh, well, look, the limited atonement is really nasty. Jesus says, "Look, I'm going to die for everybody." He's like, "Ah, yeah, doubt it." <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm on the committee of my presbytery that examines ministers for ordination and transfer. I'm thinking of using kick the dog, comfort the child in our process. I like that idea. Mm. For all that, I think you uh, I thank you two guys for the show. Having been one uh, been cross pollinated into listening to issues etc., I've been confused by something. There's a guest on issues etc. called Brian Wolf Miller, who sounds exactly <laughs> like a host of Table Talk Radio called Brian Wolf Mueller. To Table Talk Radio hosts, you need to be aware that you have been doppelgangered. We can't <laughs> suffer impostors. Watch yourselves. Be careful, Chris. Hey, I think. Uh, um, I've heard of that guy who goes on issues, etc. He is so dry. <laughs> I agree. Boring. <laughs> He's got nothing good to say. But it is a funny thing that my dad says Wolfmuller and my mom says Wolfmiller, so we got them both covered. Don't worry. <laughs> Covering all the bases in the Wolfmuller slash Wolfmiller household. <laughs> you know, I got the same thing with my name. You know, uh, we've always always known our name to be Gigline, and then you go to some more originals, and they're like, this Gagline, Gagline. 
googly eye and I Yeah, I know. I'll be right back. Me and googly eye are coming right back. More knock-knock jokes right after this. Don't want to miss out. What did the host say to the other host? Nothing. Table Talk Radio. Unscripted. He just waved. Prepared. Unashamed. We're going to Germany in September. Send me an email if you want more information. BeWolfMuther at gmail.com. I had someone come up to me in church and they said, you're right, those bumps are terrible. (laughs) I know. Well, we wanted to get some bump music that matches the content of the show. And this is what we came up with. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. That's as good as we can do. Terrible. (laughs) Terrible. All right, we're still digging through those emails, trying to zero those guys out. Yeah, I got one here from, uh, this is from Dave in Wa. Which is a city in Hawaii. <laughs> Wa, Hawaii. Doesn't that sound like a Wa? Or maybe Japan. Oh, look, he says, in from Wa, which is not a part of the state of Hawaii or of Hai, like Wolfmuller thinks. <laughs> Wolf Miller, excuse me. Uh, so Wa apparently is from Japan or China. I don't want to be racist. Dear Reverends, uh, this is a long email, so we got to break this up. Make it endurable here. I really don't have any pleasantries to start. The game I want to try is, who can answer these questions without creating a new ministry? I like it already, Dave. <laughs> uh, so you, so you see what he's getting? Is that, you know, everyone has something. Like, by the way, I'm starting a going to Germany a second time ministry. Did you know that? <laughs> I did. Are you, should, I, are you <laughs> also go to Germany starting again? A... Isn't this crazy? Two trips to Germany. But we, I, but it's a ministry, going to Germany, second time ministry. I thought you were starting also a uh, uh, annoying jokes explained ministry. You know where you explain all the annoying jokes. How does it work again? I think what, how it works is that you would explain all of the jokes that people find. Really oh, I got annoying. another joke. Did I ever tell you the funniest joke of the world about the lady on the bus? Did no. I t- this is actually a hilarious joke. Uh, this won the contest, funniest joke in the world. A lady got on a bus, and the bus driver said, Lady, that's the ugliest kid I've ever seen. The lady was so upset, and she stormed off to the back of the bus, and she sat down in a huff, and the guy sitting next to her said, What's wrong? And she said, I can't believe... The bus driver, he just insulted... I can't believe he insulted me. And the man said, I- He shouldn't do that. He's a public servant. He shouldn't insult you like that. And they said, Yeah, that's right. He shouldn't insult me like that. And the man said, Well, I think you should go up there and... And talk to him. She says, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go up there right now, and I'm going to give him a piece of my mind. And then he says, I think that's a great idea. I'll hold your monkey. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's the funniest joke in the world, but. <laughs> Everybody's. That is a funny joke. Everybody pities carrying the no. kids when you tell these jokes. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, some people have to live um, with this guy. <laughs> Now, this guy, Dave, who's writing the email, is wor- wants to have, can, can you answer a question without creating a new ministry? Because everybody's talking about, everyone's starting ministries everywhere you turn. You just can't do something. You've got to call it a ministry. Now, here comes some questions. Okay. What is pre-evangelism and where is it in the Bible? If it's there, is there something more than just being direct and saying, come here about the Savior of the world? 
Or is it part of five loaves and two fish thing, you know? Dream big to win big, or John the Baptizer's You Brood of Vipers talk, or is it uh, how nice Jesus was with his words to the Canaanite woman, the ten plagues? Is it calling someone a sinner in need of repentance? Is an instrument for the means of grace, except without a pastor or anyone speaking about Jesus, part of it? What are the essential ingredients to pre-evangelism and its effectiveness and purpose for actual good newsism? Do you, you, you get the drift of this email? You see yeah, this is going? rapid fire. I think you need to translate some of these for me. <laughs> well, here's the thing: is that so we talk about pre-evangelism like it's a thing, which I suppose it is because we do confess this theological reality, namely that while believing in Jesus is not part of our free will, hearing the preaching is. So you, it is your free will to hear the preaching. It is not your free will to believe it. And that's an important distinction that we make from the Bible in our Book of Concord. Do you see the difference? Right. So asking so someone the, to come with me to church isn't synergism. That's right. Hey, come with me to church, or hey, read this book, or hey, listen to Table Talk Radio. That's pre-evangelism. That's what I call it. <laughs> okay. But there's uh, all these new ministries, which is all about doing all this kind of crazy stuff, you know, start the five two stuff and and um, uh, start new to reach new and so I don't all know. this sort of thing, which is called pre evangelism. And it's like it's like you know what it is. Remember how before you cook the steak, you gotta you gotta get the meat tenderizer out and pound it flat. That's the, that's the view of pre evangelism that we're being tempted to believe. So I've heard of five two. I think I know what it is, and I've heard of. Start new to reach new, but I don't know what that actually means. Five two is a thing. It's a ministry, I suppose. It's a it's a it's a catalyst. It's probably <clears throat> it would describe itself as. You remember five two is what got us in trouble because the guy who started five two, uh, ex pastor Bill Woolsey, Woolsey. Did you say who, he was a pastor of a? Yeah, he was a pastor who resigned his call so he could be full time running the five two. Oh, okay probably say we're not an institution we're a movement a catalyst movement he's the man who you were you were reading from his church website and i said that was theological cross dressing remember that oh yeah because it said uh you you might be surprised to find out that we're actually an lcms church <laughs> and we I got into all sorts of trouble for that by the way i can't imagine why so i should probably officially recant because the the, the idea of theological cross dressing was that it was lutheran underneath and evangelical on the outside but it in fact it turns out that there was a consistency there that we were unable to recognize and that is it was evangelical on the outside and evangelical on the inside also all right, I, I it wasn't cross dressing at all. I've noted your retraction <laughs> for the reason <laughs> they're cited. <laughs> so the uh, the trouble is with this whole thing is that it's um uh you, you know it wants to, to 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 do these things to um to so that people can encounter the Jesus which is in you. So it talks about uh, sacramental entrepreneurship, but understand that the sacramental part of that sacramental entrepreneurship is um, not the actual sacraments, baptism and the Lord's Supper, absolution, the preaching of the gospel, but the encounter of Jesus in the Christian. And this is all, and, and it's, so now here's what, here's the trick. The, the encounter of Jesus in the Christian is, of, of course, not the sacraments. It's different. Buying flowers from a Christian is different than being baptized. 
so that so so it's not the it's not a sacrament but you can come along and say well of course it's not the sacrament it's a it's pre-evangelism and it's sacramental well i suppose if you want to make up words you can define them however you like <laughs> but the problem is it's a little too close to the real words that have different meanings um so the answer to dave's question after all this wrangling around is um yes you can do pre-evangelism without starting a ministry, and it's just called being a normal human being and being a Christian in the world. <laughs> Someone who talks to other people. <laughs> sure. Being a human being. Let's trademark that. Be a human being ministry. <laughs> Everything's got to be a ministry. Trademark. Yeah, it's not a... Uh, we're human beings, and that's not an institution. It's a movement. <laughs> Maybe we call it authentic. We're gonna be authentic <laughs> human right. beings. We're gonna we're gonna do relational evangelism. The, what does the this says here? Authentic humanism. The the authentic human movement. I like that. He says, "Is it important to think outside the box and consider possibly being on the cutting edge of pre pre evangelism <laughs> or pre outreach?" And if it's so, I claim trademark. Says Dave. Dang. Nice. You got to it before me. Anyway. Hmm. Is that it? Is that the whole email? Yeah, that's a whole. Well, no, it goes on. But I think we've I think this is enough else. We're going to descend into some sort of really dark place. <laughs> All right. If you say so. Um, let's see. We've got a couple minutes left. I got some uh, church signs rubber checkers for you. Oh, yeah. OK. You got, want some of those? Yeah, that's what I want. All right. Well, I was just thinking about how what I wanted was church signs and bumper stickers. Along you came. That's great. Behold. Church sign outside of Stoughton, Wisconsin, LCMS Church, reads, Let the sun shine! Exclamation point. And, of course, just to be funny, sun is spelled with an O. No, As if to say no, that it's not. We by our own powers could stop the sun from shining. Good luck. I guess this would fall under what we need is more puns in the worldview catalog. I think so. Um, I, I, uh, uh. You know what's funny though? By the way, I figured this out because you know how I've been on a big rant against puns. I don't know if you ever noticed that, but how I'm totally against puns, but. Spending a couple of days with eighth graders opened my experience up to a new category of pun, which is, I think, appropriate. <laughs> so is that the and target that is market? The insult pun. The, well, it could be. It could be. But it's a specific form of pun, and it's the insult pun. So, for example, if the conversation is like this, what kind of light bulb is our history teacher, Mr. Bo? And the answer is... Uh, uh, well, that I gave was neon, which was not that funny. But then they said, no, that's not right, because he's a little dim. He's not that bright. The insult pun that's is the one is. pun category that, in fact, I, I think is going is acceptable in my catalog of humor. Do you find church signs encroaching on this area of humor? Well, if the church sign is an insult pun, then it becomes blasphemy, so I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. When you start insulting God and not your history teacher, that's what we call blasphemy. It seemed like I remember so a news story a while ago of like two churches that were across the street from each other uh, punning each other in a slightly 
insulting way. Do you remember that story? I, rem- I do remember that. That was the best. The dueling church signs. We should find that. I don't actually think. I think that was a made up thing. Yeah, I kind of thought uh, so too. But it was hilarious <laughs> none- nonetheless. It doesn't matter if it's real uh, as long as it's punny. That's that's all we need. All right, we have one more I'm gonna segment fight it. of Table Talk Radio after break, this. And then hopefully we'll get into more knock-knock jokes because we're still on the verge of annoying and not sure it's going to funny. What the listeners say to the Table Talk Radio host? <laughs> Nothing. They just wave. Table Talk Radio, answering the age-old question. If a radio show is broadcasting and no one listens... Does it still make a sound? I save all the good stuff for grappling with the text, a little video Bible study that you could find at worldvieweverlasting.com. Let's keep doing your thing. Oh, Are you going to tell me that doesn't get you pumped up for Bad some table talk radio? That doesn't get you going like. That's like pumped up. That's for like the Rocky. That's like like Eye of the Tiger. I'm ready to go now. That's that's the level. <laughs> yeah, hmm. I mean, you don't have to get jazzed up much to listen to Table Talk Radio. I mean, it's kind of like yeah, it's kind of like uh, you need a bump song that lowers expectations. That, that's what we're going <laughs> for right. with the bump song, and and maybe hardens the conscience while it's at it. <laughs> Here's the dueling church signs. Our Lady of Martyrs Catholic Church says all dogs go to heaven. And across the street, the Ula Cumberland Presbyterian Church responds, only humans go to church, go to heaven. Read the Bible. <laughs> Our Lady of Martyrs responds, God loves all his creations, dogs included. Presbyterian Church says dogs don't have souls. This is not open for debate. <laughs> Our Lady of Martyrs, Catholic dogs go to heaven. Presbyterian dogs can talk to their pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Beula says, converting to Catholicism does not magically grant your dog a soul. <laughs> Our Lady of Martyrs says, free dog souls with conversion. <laughs> Beula says, dogs are animals. There aren't any rocks in heaven either. <laughs> Our Lady of Martyrs, all rocks go to heaven. <laughs> See, I think who's ever in charge of the church sign at the Catholic Church has more of a sense of humor. And uh, the one over across the street, I think they've taken things a little bit too seriously, <laughs> as if the church sign is like like a, a doctrinal treatise. <laughs> I think this is great. It's time to do I would I would have put the church signs. Uh, we got a Catholic church sort of across the street. I wonder if I could get Father Bert in a debate with me over there. <laughs> the church signs. Now, what's the final thing? When is, Luther is said this... Sola Scriptura, he was talking about you, buddy. <laughs> That's... Uh... <laughs> So what's the final say? Is this a real thing, or did someone just make it all up? It's real in my world. I self-identify as re- this is reality. <laughs> That's all you got to say. Who are you to question my reality, buddy? <laughs> okay. It's a picture on the Internet. Of course it's real. Right. I don't know. <laughs> How much realer does it get than that? Yeah, that's right. This is the realest of real. <laughs> I mean, the only way it could get realer is if someone made it into a meme. I mean, a meme. All right. With that said, let's get some more church signs and bumper stickers called into our toll-free hotline, 1-800-385-SOLA, reporting the worst bumper stickers and church signs for for consideration of your lowly Table Talk radio host. Here's another one. Hi, this is David in Arkansas. I got a church sign to report. 
it says, use the past as a springboard, not a sofa. What the? Hold on a minute. Oh, use the past? Use the past. Okay, so... So you, so you first want, of all, you I'm so let... confused because I don't recognize the pun. <laughs> okay, no pun in this one. But uh, but what you want to do is you know let the Dang. things that happened in the past per you know propel I you to, to future. I think puns are pre-evangelism, by the way. <laughs> Pre-pre-evangelism. Oh yeah, that's definitely getting me into the church here, the gospel. <laughs> definitely. I mean, before I was using my past as a sofa. And now I read but the church now? sign. I want to come in and hear all about the, you know, gospel that the pastor wants to preach. Do you? Hmm. No, I don't know about this one. I don't have any idea what it actually is saying. It's it's saying that you shouldn't dwell on the past. You should you should you know learn from your mistakes and and get better. So don't so don't dwell on things that happened in the past. You wanna you wanna move on. That's all it's saying. So don't let it, let your past be a springboard, not a sofa. Don't don't sit there. Don't ride there. Just oh, I get you. Don't don't dwell. Don't get caught in the past. Don't dwell in the past. Don't don't um. Explaining to uh, church signs is kind of like uh, I could be your church sign consultant. You just give me a call. I'll I'll explain them for you. Okay, I appreciate that because this one uh, it was confusing me because I was I mean I think of couch and I think of you know watching football or whatever and I'm like. Uh, so I'm with you now. I agree with this church sign, by the way. It falls into the moralistic therapeutic deism side of what the church is for, by the way. It's all therapy. Everybody needs a therapist, so mm. we got one here. You know. All right, I got another one for you. I think it's from the same call. Hi, this is David in Arkansas. I've got a church sign to report on a Methodist church in Damascus, Arkansas. We're open between Christmas and Easter. <laughs> that's the guilt trip sign. I told you this is a whole category. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That is. Uh, that was a bumper sticker. Normally, the guilt trip was normally a bumper sticker, but um, but here they've they've captured it. They've captured the essence of the guilt trip in the church sign, and I like it. We're open between Easter and Christmas. This is the business of uh, people who just come to church on Christmas and Easter. Now, this used to be a thing, but I think, and our listener can uh, report in if this has been true in their singular experience, that uh, the Christian and Easter, uh, the, the Christmas and Easter Christian phenomenon is going to be waning, because that sort of thin religiosity, I think, is um, starting to. I mean, people are saying now, well, what if I don't believe in the resurrection? Why should I? Why would I go to church on Sunday? And that's actually a pretty good question. Nah, I think I think there'll always be an uptick in attendance on uh, at least Easter. Yeah, I think the uptick is decreasing though. That's how we do budgets in the federal government. By the way, <laughs> it's a decrease in the uptake. I see. Okay. All right. Want another one? Sure. Hello, this is Frederick from the People's Republican Republic of Madison, Wisconsin. Bumper sticker. Bernie, let's rebuild America. <laughs> On the other side of the vehicle, hate socialism, buy your own road. <laughs> <laughs> Does socialists make all the roads? Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> there might be a difference between the idea of public works and the idea that there's no private property. No. Those might not exact they might not be exactly the same. Uh, you know, 
<laughs> it might be different to say there's some public property and there's some pi- private property, and it might be a different thing to say there's no private property. <laughs> that just – and to be precise, remember the socialism is not that there's no private property. It's that the government owns the means of production, which also means there's no private property. But, but you know, but, anyway – just yeah. Mean, meanwhile, say, hey, so- socialism believes in private property. It just doesn't believe in private means of production. Meanwhile, local cities and counties are contracting with private paving companies to build those roads. <laughs> I mean, so I, I, uh, I don't know if you know this about me. I think you do, actually. I, I'm on the the planning commission for the city of Rogue River, and I see the bids come in that when they are going to repave a street. They'll bid it out to three or four different companies, and they'll they'll give it to you know the one they want, usually the lowest. But they're they're contracting with private companies, so I mean it's not really sure they're using tax dollars to do it, but it's not exactly like you know the the government is owning the production. It's kind of a strike <laughs> against the socialism argument there. It is, I'd say. I got one more for you. All right. Hey, this is David in Arkansas. I've got a bumper sticker for you. It says. Don't believe everything you think. I like that one. That's my favorite bumper sticker. Where did it come from? Uh, Aurora? Was that on your your car there? It said that? (laughs) It came from Arkansas. (laughs) Arkansas. Maybe you've heard of it. It's uh, a province of the United States of America. Weird. I mean, it's weird when we get a local listener like this. Weird. Anyway. I don't don't. I also want to say don't. So don't believe everything you think. True, we believe that the fall affected also our reason. Uh, also, we should say don't believe everything that you feel. Mm-hmm. That's another one that's pretty important because we live in the day of the exaltation of emotion and experience that we, for whatever crazy reason, trust in our feelings above all else. Uh, and so that's also true. Don't believe. Everything that you hear, this is also true, or especially don't believe everything that you see. Uh, so then what is there to believe? This is why we have the scriptures. You should believe everything that the Lord says. This is I read some article somewhere that said the basic idea of Luther and the Reformation. I think that's probably right. The basic idea of Luther and the Reformation is God can't lie. We should believe what he says. And so that's what we can trust in and what we can believe, what God says. All right, well, you have about a minute and 20 seconds for this last email. Okay, uh, I better get to it. It says, um, I'm co- Dear Pastors, I'm concerned about the Lutheran church that I attend. They're Lutheran and have right theology and rightly administer the sacraments. hard to describe, but I guess it would be fair to say that I see cracks in their Lutheran identity. Uh, the sermons are evangelicalish, mingling law and gospel, having a call-to-action undertone. The pastors use a a lot of evangelical phrasing, a connection group, small groups. Sunday morning Bible study uses popular evangelical material like the story, etc. They aren't actively jettisoning the Lutheran stuff, but they're letting the evangelical stuff, uh, praise songs and heterodox hymns, uh, uh, come in there. And that'll choke out the pure doctrine, right? Uh, Thanks for the email here. Maybe I should have read this one when we had more than a minute. But the answer is yes. we got to put up the false doctrine warnings on both sides uh so that we gotta hear we gotta hear the smell of it if you know we we're pretty good at this on the catholic side that seems catholic uh we gotta look out for that stuff but we gotta have this on the other side that seems evangelical that seems kind of billy grammy over there that seems kind of church growthy that seems kind of um 
you know, Bill Hybley or whatever. And our warning bells should go off there because false doctrine, remember, is like a cancer. It doesn't kill you instantaneously. But it eats away at the foundation of the truth. And the thing that's at stake here is the gospel, the the, the true, uh, free, pure forgiveness of sins. And that's why we got to fuss about the doctrine. Because in fussing about the doctrine, like Jesus says, beware of false doctrine, we're trying to protect the pure gospel, the kindness of God for us in Christ. And all the churches that were orthodox and fell into be heterodox did so gradually. None of them woke up one morning and said, you know, we're going to completely change this place. <laughs> they all got there to the point where, eh, let's ditch that, let's ditch this, let's innovate here, let's innovate there. And all of a sudden, you know, and it's usually, not always, but usually in the name of, well, we got to do this in order to get people in. But here's the thing. God works through his holy word to bring people to the Christian faith. And so we, we proclaim God's word and trust what he says of it, like they like was the center point of the Reformation, that uh, his word never returns to him void. And that's all the time we have for this edition of Table Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. What did Evan say to his points? Nothing. He just waved. He just waved. Still searching Thanks for, for listening humor. to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Table Talk That's Radio funny. is not for everyone. Please consult your pastor before listening to Table Talk Radio. Side effects may include nausea, vomiting, headache, heartburn, hair loss, hallucinations, and aversion to incomplete sentences with aquatic imagery, psychosis, coma, death, halitosis, lung cancer, brain tumors, sleep gain, internal bleeding, internal combustion, a sudden craving to smell your backseat, claustrophobia, an uncontrollable urge to fight the capitalists on Twitter, and falling off your treadmill. For more information, visit tabletalkradio.org. I don't know what's mind thought of that thing. (laughs) 